Welcome back to the Unlockable Podcast. As we approach the end of 2023, it's time to talk about some lasts in video games. What the heck does that mean? Well, in true Unlockable Podcast fashion, we're going to talk about topics ranging from video game development history to the actual history of characters in video games and even some history of video game hardware. So, for example, one of our topics is the last game released for a video game console, but another one of our topics is the last game that wrapped up a character's story arc. So if you're into the history of things ending, boy have Hannah and I got a podcast for you. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas this season. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and let's get started. Welcome back to the Unlockable Podcast. My name's Christian and I'm joined every month by the one and only Game Girl Advance SP herself. That's me. Hannah, it's the holiday season. Are you getting lots of eggnog in your system? I absolutely hate eggnog. <laughs> um, but lots of hot chocolate and gingerbread cookies, if that counts. <laughs> um, it doesn't. Um, are you are you done with your Christmas shopping? Uh, yes, actually. See, I'm one of those Christmas shoppers who like to shop all year round for people so that I'm not, like, scrambled at the end. Although... I do enjoy going to the mall on like Christmas Eve because people are just going nutso and it's fun to just grab a coffee, walk around and watch the shit go down. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm absolutely serious. That has been me and my friend's tradition for like the last five years. It's awesome. <laughs> Would recommend. I feel like it's almost like iconic the way that the waiting to the last minute has just it's become a thing right for for decades now and. You would think that so many people would have learned by now that maybe December 24th would be, I don't know, not what it has always been. It would just be a few guys who who need to go to the mall for something. But that's not how it is. People have not learned or evolved whatsoever. Except for you. Well, yeah, except for me. But people, it works, you know. They go last minute and they still get a gift. So why would they change it if it works? (laughs) It barely works. You always get something <laughs> garbage, and it takes six hours to walk around and so you finally get a Visa gift card for your poor niece <laughs> who didn't want that crap. A candle, some napkins, you know. Some napkins. Usual. <laughs> some decorative napkins, you know. Hannah, I am not done Christmas shopping. Uh, it's currently the 12th while we're recording. I did a ton on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Uh, so I was happy that I got some savings in and took care of that stuff in advance. But I do need to get on Amazon, get some one and two day shipping very soon. I need to get some stuff ordered for sure before it's too late. Did you think that Black Friday and Cyber Monday this year had good sales? Um, I mean, I found some good stuff. Not on video games. I didn't buy a single video game. Yeah, it was trash. It was all trash. Nothing good. There was a few things that I was like, eh, do I want it? Like, Sonic Superstars just came out in October, and I want to play that, but $35 was the sale, and I was like, well, you know, I got other stuff to play right now. I'll wait till it's $20. Mm, I don't know. So it's not, not an urgent pers- purchase. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think the sales were very good. I didn't buy anything, actually. Yeah. Um... What are we talking about today? So, it's the end of the year. We're going to talk about some video game lasts 
and I was thinking you could tell the audience what the heck a video game last is. Sure. So I, you already mentioned the, the two or three that we're doing, but since it's December and it's the last month of the year, I thought that we could do, I don't know, what we're referring to as video game last. So that just means like the last game that a developer made before, you know, they're bought or they went defunct or blah, 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 blah. Or like the last system, I don't know, to use like uh, a chunky analog stick or like a chunky D-pad or like stuff like that. Like anything, it's a very broad spectrum. Anything that happened to be the last in the era, in the just the wide span of anything video game related. And I think that this was, I know this was your idea, but I think it was a good idea. And I think that it could become a regular thing for us every December. We'll see how it goes. Um, I think that'd be fun. Because we... We came up with a lot. You came up with a. Lot. All right, let's let's be real here. ChatGPT came up with a <laughs> lot of video game lasts that we could uh, totally talk about um, for the next ten years. So, strap in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we only picked three each, and I mean, ChatGPT came up with like forty-five in the span of like thirty seconds. I think <laughs> super helpful. But yeah, I'm ex- I'm looking forward to this. Shout out to our AI companion, our third host of the show. Yes, we love him, her, it, whatever it prefers to be called. Just for future, you know, when AI takes over. Love the AI. We love you. Thank you. <laughs> um, who's going first today, Hannah? I think you should, because I think I went first last time. Okay, so our three topics. I mentioned two of them in the intro before the intro. Our three topics today, we're going to talk about... The first one is the last game in a console's lifetime, and then we're going to do the last game that wrapped up a character's story arc, and then we're talking about the final game that utilizes like a unique hardware feature from a console. So think, actually I don't have any examples that won't give it away, so we'll just wait. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, so the first one, the last game in a console's lifetime. So basically... Hannah chose a console, I chose a console. We're going to talk about the game itself and talk about how late in the life it was that it released and um, just give a little background, a little history, a little context like, oh, the PS1 was out in this year and yet they were still making games for this console. Isn't that crazy? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, typical stuff we usually talk about in these episodes, but yeah, so I'm going first. And I chose the PS1 for whatever reason. I was just, I think I know a lot of the games that were like the last for a lot of consoles. And I tried to go with one that I didn't know about. And this one's pretty crazy. Uh, Do you have any guesses for the last game that released on the PS1? Uh, Like maybe a Resident Evil? Um, I don't know when the last Resident Evil came out. So I don't know how good of a guess that is. But... (laughs) I'll go ahead and say good guess. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, there's only a thousand games on the console, so I think it's 1,200 or something. So you had a pretty slim chance. Dang. This is a game, and it's actually a Japanese game. It it, uh, didn't... Well, let me clarify. The game is Strider on the PlayStation. In arcades, the game came out in 1989. It was developed and published by Capcom. And get this... In 2006, the game released on the PS1. Oh my gosh. Wait. 
Really? For context, the PS3 released the following month. <laughs> yes, solid. We love that. <laughs> so it was October 2006 when the game came out in Japan, and November 2006 the PS3 launched in Japan. Um, the only thing I could think is, like, maybe Capcom was like, okay, well, the PS3 can play PS1 games, so maybe we should continue supporting that platform. Um, I have no idea. Well, only some PS3s can play PS1 games, right? I believe what it is, is all PS3s can play all PS1 games, but only a select few models of PS3 can play PS2 games. Oh. Okay. Roger. Gosh, that's weird, though. I mean, I guess it makes sense it's, it's a Japanese weird. game, right? It came out over there first and then took forever to get localized? Uh, no, this is... We're talking about a game that released in Japan in 2006. Oh, so it didn't come here at all. No, okay, so here's the crazy thing. It it came to us in 2000 um, in North America. And so, basically, Strider 2 came out in North America. That's a PS1 game that came with two discs. And one disc was Strider 2, and the other disc was Strider 1, the 1989 arcade game. Yeah, the one that we're talking about here. So, technically, North America did get it as, like, this double jewel case pack uh, six years prior to Japan getting it. So, pretty weird. That's so backwards and opposite. It's kind of like melting my brain a little bit. I'm so glad you brought up backwards and opposite because I have a fun fact here. The <laughs> two discs inside of Strider 2 in North America were actually mislabeled. So Strider 1 is on the Strider 2 disc and vice versa. Oh, that's beautiful. That mm, that <laughs> truly is amazing. We love things like that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there was never like a a reprint to fix it. So <laughs> it, that's just it. That was just how they released it. Just an oopsie. <laughs> um yeah. So, the game itself, we can talk about that. It was cited for being a major inspiration to Ninja Gaiden, God of War, Devil May Cry, at least according to Wikipedia. Um, the story takes place in the dystopian future of 2048, where this dude, the Grandmaster, is dictator of the entire world, as Grandmasters do. This, is, this exceptionally skilled ninja agent named Hiryu from the Strider Ninja Organization is tasked with assassinating the Grandmaster. So you start in Eastern Europe, which in 2048 dystopia is a federation called Kazakh Soviet Socialist Republic. Wow. Tongue twister. <laughs> the cutscenes are pretty wild because they're multilingual and they're voice acted. So I was just like watching some gameplay and I was reading the text in English for the cutscenes, but I was only comprehending some of those sentences because they're being spoken in English, Japanese, Mandarin, Spanish, Russian, and Swahili all throughout the cutscenes. Wait, like all of them at not, the same time? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I worded that weird. Not at the same time, but it's like one line is in English, the next line's in Mandarin, and then it's crazy. I, I don't, it's interesting. What was um, the budget for this game? <laughs> Jeez. I 
I imagine a lot of people haven't played Strider, including myself, but the game is actually like a pretty, it was pretty popular in 1989 when it came out. The sequel came out in 99 in arcades and then came to PS1 and it was actually like pretty darn popular. Um, I don't know how, I don't know what the budget could have been for an 89 arcade game from Capcom, <laughs> but I think it's really like, I think it really kind of helps with the future dystopian setting to have all those languages present amongst random characters. I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, I agree. <coughs> um, the gameplay itself is a 2D hack and slash where you play a Strider Hear You and you move through levels killing everyone in your way. Plenty of boss fights. It was super innovative for its time. Became an early hit for Capcom. Um, the game looks freaking awesome graphically. It sounds pretty good. I've always wanted to play it just because I love that genre, that hack and slash, like, action, platformer, whatever you want to call it. I love that crap. Um, but the only game I've played in the series was on Xbox 360, simply just called Strider, and it was a reboot of the series. It was almost like a Metroidvania, and I liked that one. It was pretty good. Hmm. I've never heard of any of those games. <laughs> That's it, though. That's Strider in a nutshell and um i i just can't believe that that happened in 2006 it was i read online that it was like seven months after the discontinuation of the ps1's production which blows my mind to think that ps1s were still being produced in 2006 i'm interested to see what the actual sales of the ps1 were after that yeah yeah i thought mine was bad Mine's kind of like that too, but not that bad. Well, tell us about yours. So mine, I picked, like you said, the Nintendo 64 because that's, that's my jam. Um, and the last game for the console was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. I feel like you knew this. That one I did know, yeah. So I'm going to be honest. I only knew that the Nintendo 64 had the second one. It kind of blew my mind that it had the first one. And then I just realized when I did this, that it also has the third one. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, it was released on various consoles, the PS1, the PS2, the Game Boy Color, GameCube, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and of course, Nintendo 64. And you're thinking, wow, that's a really large spread. And you'd be correct. <laughs> so released on the Nintendo 64 on August 20th of 2002. Um, just for a little bit of context there, the uh, Nintendo 64 was discontinued on April 30th of 2002. The PS2 released on October 26th of 2000. Xbox was released on November 15th, 2001. And the GameCube was released on November 18th, 2001. So all of those consoles were already out. That's pretty nuts. And they still wanted it on the Nintendo 64. I don't know why, but... You know, I think it sold pretty well. Anyway, it was developed by Neversoft. Uh, Edge of Reality actually worked on the Nintendo 64 point, our port, and guess where they're based out of? Guess where they're based out of? I have no idea. Austin, Texas. Hey, that's cool. Are they still around? No, defunct as of 2018, but they were there. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Edge of Reality has two development teams. They have one that works on, like, the licenses uh, and established franchises like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and then another development team that works on original games. 
They're known for both porting games and developing their own. They also worked on the other Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, The Sims, Mass Effect, Dragon Age Origins, Transformers, Rise of the Dark Spark, and The Incredible Hulk. So they are very prolific. No longer around, unfortunately, but they had a time and a place. The game was published by Activision under the name Activision 02. was a launch title for the GameCube, so there we go. (laughs) (laughs) The PS2 version of the game was tied for a highest-rated PS2 game on Metacritic alongside Grand Theft Auto 3, which has nothing to do with the Nintendo 64. I just thought it was a fun fact. Um... For whatever reason, though, Metacritic doesn't have the Nintendo 64 score. It says to be determined, so we'll be waiting forever for that one. Uh, (laughs) um, But the PS2 version has a 97, and the GameCube version has a 91. So, very highly rated. It's sold, despite coming out so late, it's still sold 2.1 million copies in the U.S. Wow. Um, Yep. And if you've never played a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game before, um, it's pretty simple. You ride around on a skateboard... On whatever given level that you're in, score points by landing tricks, collecting things like secret tapes, uh, the letters S-K-A-T-E to spell skate, uh, money, etc. Whatever it is in the game, before time runs out. Um, very fun, very addicting. It seems very simple, but there's so many different like cool tricks that you can do and cool combos. I think that makes it so addicting. You only get a certain amount of time to get the highest score that you can, so it's also part of that replayability. I love the games. They're very addicting. Heck yeah. I love the score aspect of it, you know? Like, even if I have a two-minute timer, um, I can get lost just, like, of not even doing the objectives and just trying to, like, get a freaking killer combo. It's such a fun freaking concept of a game. I agree. And then, of course, you have, like, your special meter or whatever it's called. I can't remember if it's called special in this one or not, but if you fall, then it goes back to zero. And the higher it is, the higher points you score, the faster you go, blah, blah, blah. All those kinds of things that kind of... I don't know, make it super, super addicting. Like, oh, can I get a higher score this time? Or, oh, can I unlock all the money in this round? Or the secret tape, or blah, 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 blah. Whatever it may be. So, there are several differences between the first one, uh, the second one, and this one. So, this game allows for much longer combos compared to the earlier games in the series. Introduced a move called the Revert, I think it's called, uh, referred to as, which is a move that enabled vert combos to be tied together with the manual. And if you're like, what the heck does that mean? Don't worry, I broke it down for you. So vert <laughs> combos is basically when you go on a quarter pipe, uh, do some kind of like cool trick or whatever at the top after like launching yourself off or doing like a, a grab or whatever it's called. And then as soon as you land, immediately going into a manual, um, which is essentially just like the skateboard version of a wheelie. You're kind of bouncing on those back two wheels and you're lifting up your front two wheels. Um, and then you can go on to do like a kickflip or like grind on a rail, etc. So really it just kind of expands your combo so that you can get higher and higher points. Which I thought was cool. That is That concept is used later on in um, Tony Hawk's Underground and like the gajillion of other Tony Hawk games there are out there. I'm not going to name them all. Um, it's the first game in the series to have online capabilities... But for the PS2 version, not the Nintendo 64, of course. Just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> players could connect directly to other players online, even prior to the launch of the network adapter by using a USB Ethernet adapter on the PS2. Um, obviously not anymore because the servers are down, but that would have been super cool to be able to skate around with people. Uh, the other game in the series had advertisements for skateboarding brands, of course, because it's a skateboarding game. But this one also has non-skating brands, 
uh, on their big old billboards for Jeep, Nokia, and Taco Bell. <laughs> Interesting. Fun little thing there. Uh, Nintendo 64 and PS1 versions of the game use the same engine as the second game, uh, while the PS version uses a more upgraded engine called the... No, just kidding. The other one... The old one's called the Apocalypse Engine. That's what they used. Um, and because of that, the game doesn't feature the big drop mechanic, which I didn't realize was a thing, uh, which is a feature that appeared in the second one. I don't remember this ever showing up. Maybe it was never ballsy enough, but basically this just happens when you like do a trick off of a tall building or fall a great distance. You'll see like a big drop um, little icon on your screen and you have like a couple seconds to decide if you're gonna like bail off of it or like try to do some kind of trick off of it. And if you hit a certain combo of buttons or whatever, it gives you like a super high combo score or something. I had no idea that was a thing, but apparently it's awesome. No, I've never heard of that. Had no idea that was a thing. The only reason why the Nintendo 64 and PS1 versions still have that mechanic is because it's using the old engine from 2. So they kept it in for those ones, and then for the PS or the uh, PS2 version and the PC port, they didn't have that mechanic anymore. I don't know why mm. they took it out. Uh, it's the first game in the series to introduce pedestrians located throughout the level. You can <laughs> freaking run those people over if you want. That's exciting. <laughs> Um, first game in the series that also allowed the player to create female characters instead of just the standard male character. Also, this was cool. Didn't know this. So different versions of the game actually have different unlockable characters. So example for the PC, Doom Guy is unlockable. And for wow. the Nintendo 64, got freaking Officer Dick, which if you don't know who that is, that's just like the officer in all the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games. He's just like, he's just like a character there. And freaking Wolverine. <laughs> in which version? The Nintendo 64 one. Oh my gosh. That's you insane. Wolverine. Okay, here's another fun fact. This is about the second one. Do you know what character's unlockable in that version? Is it Spider-Man? I've totally it's seen that Spider -Man! before. Spider-Man! Yeah! I love that. I had no idea that that was a thing. I don't. I didn't look up the parameters to unlock him, but isn't that freaking neato? I love it. Activision had a a lot of Marvel games in that era, so that kind of makes sense. Oh, that does make sense. Huh, that's super fun. And I wonder if it is still in the the remasters or ports or whatever they're called for the Switch and PS4. If they wanted to retain Spider-Man or not. I would not hedge my bets on it. Because <laughs> I feel like Spider-Man is now a Sony property. That's a no-no <laughs> for other companies, but... Wolverine might still be chill. He might still... Well, <laughs> there's not a port of that one. But hey, maybe one day. Also, the different versions of the game all include... Like, they have, like, the base... Uh, levels and stuff that you have but each pc each whatever has different levels that you can go to so nintendo 64 and the ps1 version has a thing called a downhill the, the level the downhill uh which is exactly what it sounds it's a road with like ramps and rails and trees on either side that's like sloped downwards so like at the heat you start at the top and then you go all the way down to the bottom and that's your time which is neat. oh wow yeah mm -hmm. that's super cool so that's basically all I'll have for that one, but I didn't know that it was there or that it had all these fun things. No, that's awesome. Um, 
I I know that cartridge is blue, right? Yeah. So the first one is black, the second one is white, and the third one is blue. The second one is not white. I mean, it's yellow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ugh. You know, uh, I do that a lot too. Don't ask me for directions. I'll say right when I mean left, and vice versa. It's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. It's yellow. So have you played three on any console? I believe I played it on the GameCube. I own all of them, at least in one form or the other. So, like, I own a couple on the GameCube, a couple on the PS2. I don't remember which ones. I know I own all of them, but I don't know which one it is on each console, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up with two on the N... I grew up with two on the N64. Um... Love the heck out of that game. I actually didn't have a memory card, so I spent my entire childhood trying to beat it in one sitting. <laughs> um, you and me both, my friend. That was us. Are as you well. serious? <laughs> yeah, you have no, you have no idea how long the Nintendo sixty four would stay on. <laughs> it was running like forty eight hours, weeks at a time. It's crazy. <laughs> I uh, I did finally beat that game when the, when the remasters came out on modern consoles. Um, along with the first one, which I had never played, but I never did beat it on N64. Yeah, I didn't either. I certainly put enough hours in to play it, but every time we had to restart, <laughs> so that's no fun. Yeah. But, uh, I wonder Absolutely. if 3 and 4 will see a, a remaster or a remake or whatever it's called. I mean, because the first two so, sold man. well. Very well. I don't know. All right, let's see. talk about some characters and their story arcs. Mm-hmm. This was actually not as hard for me as I thought it was going to be. I originally wrote down spitballing ideas. I wrote down Castlevania, and I realized that I actually don't... I, I've never cared about the story of Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. 12 games in, I've never, never known who the players, who the characters are, barely. You know, I, like, I love the so anime. That is so sad. That's so sad. Yeah, it dude. is. I love the anime or whatever it's called, the cartoon on Netflix. It's awesome. Cartoon. And I love that story. Come on now. But, okay, I don't know what is classified as anime. Some people say that it has to be made in Japan, and this is definitely, like, something that's made in Austin, Texas, so I have no idea. <laughs> I think that's not for this podcast to debate, but I would say it's an anime. <laughs> It's not going to be a debate for me. You are the expert here. Well, I mean, that's saying that JRPGs have to be made in Japan. I don't think so. Maybe back in the day when they were first started, but mm. I think American developers or Australian developers or, you know, Chinese developers can make Japanese RPGs. Yeah. Because it's a style now instead of, like, a place. But I don't know. Not for us to debate. That's a good point. Um, I went with a game I've played over the course of the last five years, a series I've played through over the last five years, called Red Dead Redemption. Ooh. Um, and so the first game, PS3 and 360. The second game was on PS4 and Xbox One. So I'm going to kind of talk about the overarching story without giving any spoil, not like too many spoilers. I'm not going to spoil the end of the games or anything, but... Thank you. Red Dead... Please don't. (laughs) Red Dead 1 starts you with, uh, you're playing as John Marston, 
The game takes place in the Wild West in 1911. John is a retired outlaw who is blackmailed by these American lawmen. They're pretty much telling him to do whatever they ask of him in exchange for his wife and son, who they're like holding hostage, ransom, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, they know all about his past and what he used to do. He was in a gang, um, true outlaw, and they use all the information they have on him to control him and along with the fact that his his family is being held hostage, all that. Um, so you're tasked with finding various criminals and either killing them or taking them to prison throughout the game. Um, and that's the main story. But your last task as John Marston is to hunt down a man named Dutch Vanderlind, who happens to be the former leader of the outlaw gang that John Marston used to be a part of. A large part of the game revolves around the mission of hunting Dutch down, and you learn a lot about him before some crazy stuff goes down that I'm not going to spoil, and after that, you'd expect the game to be over, but you actually get another portion of the game where John gets reunited with his family for a bit, and the story builds even further as you get to learn about his family, and then some even more crazy stuff goes down that I'm going (laughs) to leave it at that. That's exciting. I didn't know that. I I, I definitely um, played Red Dead 2 first. So that game, Red Dead 2, is actually a prequel to Red Dead 1. So that kind of worked out in my favor. Um, and to take it even further, I went back and played Red Dead Revolver. But that one isn't connected aside from a few Easter eggs. That's just an old PS2 and Xbox game that really has nothing to do with the Red Dead Redemption series. Huh. Well, that's confusing. But we're not going to go into Red Dead Revolver. We are going to go into Red Dead 2 now. Um, The game also takes place in the American West. It's in 1899, 12 years prior to the first game. You start out meeting Dutch, Hosea, and your main character, Arthur Morgan. You're in a gang with these men and several other people, and you quickly find out that while several of them are cold-blooded killers, they're really just all one big family. (laughs) Early in the game, you get to go rescue John Marston, the main character of the previous game, who had been lost and injured while out hunting for supplies for the gang. Dutch is the leader of the gang, as we learned in the first game, and we find out he's been a father figure to Arthur ever since he joined the gang, which was at a very young age, apparently. It's clear that the gang has been together a while, like 15, 20 years at this point. Um, There are tons of things that happen in Red Dead 2, and I would highly recommend this game for the story's sake by itself. Um, I'm not going to go into the details, but you spend the game getting to know everyone in the game, including John Marston and his family. It's really incredible to see them build upon the story of the first game, Almost like they had planned to make a prequel all along. Um, I think, like, when you see it happen in movies, it's pretty incredible. But to make it happen in a video game, just to to make it feel like this prequel was planned all along, and the games to like the games were 15 years apart or something crazy in in development. Well, like, it's crazy to think that they had that planned out, or or they at least gave the illusion that it was all planned that way um really just an awesome story 
Hmm. After the insane events... Go ahead. Go ahead. Never mind. After the insane events that ensue in Red Dead 2, you actually get an epilogue that takes place in 1907, which is between the events of both games, and you get to play as John Marston, and you even see more about him and his family and just how much of like his family really meant to him um and that's kind of like my loose overview of the story without spoiling stuff like these games are are art honestly and i'm sure they'll make a tv series about them someday but like i would highly recommend them for the story alone for sure they're gonna make a tv series and freaking pedro pascal is gonna be the (laughs) main guy (laughs) you should just you watch (laughs) <laughs> that's funny so um, having played them would you recommend playing the prequel first or the yeah first one first i like the way that i experienced it and that's probably how i would recommend it to people i think you play two first and then one gotcha wow i've always known that they've been like a pillar up there as far as like storytelling in western games but uh-huh. i have never had the chance to play them but i think the first one's coming to the Switch, or it's already out on the Switch? I don't remember. I think we talked about it, but I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember if we talked about it. Um, there was some debate, and people were going back and forth about how they felt about it, because it's just like a straight port, and they're charging full price or whatever. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, but totally <laughs> worth the money. <laughs> I think I might have to play that. That sounds good. If you can't play the second one first, then don't sweat it. Yeah, I don't think I think it's only the first one and Red Dead Revolver, I think. If I remember correctly, is on the Switch now. I don't know if the second one has made it yet. Hmm, I'm not going to fact check you, but I don't think Revolver is being brought to the Switch. Oh, it's not. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Take it um, back. Delete it. Delete it. And you don't like FPSs? This game is third person, so that's perfect. Oh, I love that. Yes. First person sucks, dude. I hate it. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Third person is where it's at. I think I would enjoy it. I mean, especially if the story is super compelling. You know. Right. I can get through any gameplay if there's a good story. That's right. Um, just a little history I wrote down. Red Dead Revolver is a spirit... Or, like, these games were spiritual successors to Red Dead Revolver. They didn't really have any connection to it. That game was mostly level-based. It was still developed by Rockstar and published by them, but it was way back in 2004. None of the same characters are present. They don't share much more than the name and, like, some gameplay elements and obviously the setting. Um, That game, I think, was first-person shooter. I don't know. But, anyways. Reception to the ending... Or, like, reception to the story in general. It's tough to find, like, how people felt on the epilogue of Red Dead 2. Because there's nothing really to complain about. There's nothing really to dislike about it. It really just adds a few hours of context to the original Red Dead. So I can't imagine anyone complaining about it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's easier to find people arguing on Reddit about the ending of Red Dead 2. Which (laughs) I'm not going to get into. Um, But, yeah. That's... That's it. I hope you guys, if you haven't played it, will check it out. This was like my first exposure to, I guess, Rockstar games. Because I've never been a Grand Theft Auto guy. I didn't play Bully. I didn't play a lot of the big Rockstar games. And um, 
I had no idea. Like you said, you've you've always known it was a pillar in storytelling. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. It's it's incredible. That's just always what people have told me. I've obviously never played it, but right. Yeah, I think if that price drops <laughs> from not full price, and there's a physical <laughs> out there somewhere, I would definitely pick it up. Because I don't think I own it on the PS3. My brother might have. I don't know. But yeah, it sounds good. Are you hooking up your PS3 to play that anyway? Are there so many games I need to play? Like, I need to play The Last of Us on the freaking PS3. I bought it while I was up there in Texas with you. A whole $15. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I haven't played it yet. I don't have any of my shelves up in my room right now. I'm doing a renovation, painting the walls, blah, blah, blah. I think I talked about that. But I don't have any consoles plugged in right now. And it's driving me insane. Yeah. I'm a PC gamer over here playing RuneScape. (laughs) <laughs> to get my fix. <laughs> okay. What do you have for us? My pick is just going to surprise you because I've never talked about this series and or this game at all. Um, obviously, the first ones that came to mind when I was thinking of wrapping up a story arc is obviously Xenoblade Chronicles, right? The trilogy, one, two, three. We just got three this year, last year. Oh, my God. Last year. Yeah, we just got three last year. And it was super incredible. The developers have already said, you know... They're wrapping up the game. There's going to be obviously more of the Zeta Blade Chronicles series, but it might not be in this trilogy. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but they're all connected, blah, blah, blah. That was my first choice. Then my second choice is going to be Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, but we've talked about that again to death. So my other choice was The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel. Have you ever heard of that? Ooh. I have Trials of Cold Steel. Man, gosh, spelling. Trials, trails. Trials of Cold Steel. Um, so I'll talk about the fourth one real quick, and then we'll kind of talk about the history because you need the kind of context to figure this out. So released first on the PS4 in Japan on September 27th of 2018, then came to the U.S. on PS4 uh, two years later on October 27th of 2020, released on the Switch in Japan on March 18th of 2021, and worldwide on April 9th of 2021. Uh, it's also coming to the PS5 in February of 2024, so you can look forward to that. Developed by Nihon Falcom, which is the same people that do the Yeez game, so of course, going to be something that I like. Published by Nice America in the US. Uh, reviewed well, got lots of 8s out of 10s, 81s, 82s, 83s out of 100, all that good stuff. Uh, and like I said, to understand why I picked this game, I have to explain the series a little bit. So it's another one of them. Japanese developed games that this timeline just goes total haywire and the series is named something in Japan and then it comes to the US and it's named something completely mm. different and then they get all the names messed up and the <laughs> numbering and blah 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 blah. So I'm gonna just gonna do a very, very brief history uh, and try not to go into too much of the specifics because I swear to God we could do a two hour podcast on just this. <laughs> so this is the bare minimum that everyone has to know. So, the series began in 1984, can you believe that, when Nihon Falcom released Dragon Slayer, one of the first action RPGs ever. Debated. One of the first action RPGs ever. Uh, Right. So, I can't remember what console it released on. It was not a console, it was a a PC, it was the N... NCS or N some 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 whatever it is doesn't matter never released outside of Japan. Uh, the games in this series are specifically Dragon Slayer, The Legend of Heroes, 
and Dragon Slayer The Legend of Heroes 2. And you'll see why that gets confusing here in a second. So the series would go on to drop the Dragon Slayer moniker and just be called the Legend of Heroes series. Okay. Uh, and then the Dragon Slayer also went on to be called a sub-series of the Legend of Heroes series. So just to back that up real quick, it was called Dragon Slayer, the Legend of Heroes, and then now the Legend of Heroes moniker, that's the whole series title, and Dragon Slayer is just one sub-series of said title. Does that make sense? Huh. Yeah. Okay. So the next games in the series are part of the Gogarth uh, sub-series, and if you'd want to know how that's spelled, it's G-A-G-H-A-R-V, Gogarth, whatever, whatever that means. <clears throat> anyway, so it's a Legend of Heroes 2, Prophecy of the Moonlight Witch, Legend of Heroes, A Tear or Tear of Vermilion, and The Legend of Heroes, Song of the Ocean. That's another subseries, the Gargov subseries. Then I've never even heard of those. F- yeah, me either. <laughs> uh, and that's one of those occasions where the, the name kind of got confusing when it was translated from Japanese to English. Technically, I think it's the third... In the Dragon Slayer series over there in Japan, but it's called something else over here, and blah, blah, blah. Like I said, doesn't matter. Um, so then the third sub-series is called the uh, Trial Series. And that includes, in that sub-series, there are several different story arcs that are all kind of interconnected and take place within the same timeline, but like follow different groups of people. Um, those different arcs inside of this Trial sub-series... Of the main series, The Legend of Heroes, right, is Trials to the Sky, Trials to and Trials from Boundless Trials, which is a spinoff, Trials of Cold Steel, which is the one that I'm going to be talking about, and then Trials through Daybreak. So, in typical RPG style, there are different, like, random prequels thrown in here, and then there's some games have crossovers with other (laughs) games and other stories, and then, of course, there are... You know, like, a gajillion different epilogues that, like, predate this series, but then it also is in this series. Blah, 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 blah. Like I said, not going to worry about that. As an outsider, that kind of stuff freaks you out. And, like, it's, like, it's, what's the word? It's intimidating. But, like, as someone who appreciates the series, that's the kind of stuff that you live for. Like, you love digging into stuff like that. Oh, dude, I love it. And the thing is, (laughs) I will get... I When I first started playing this, which was several, several years ago, I was in that, I think I've talked about this before, the Zelda drought, where I was just kind of looking for RPGs, action RPGs, action adventure games that kind of fill that oh, yeah. slot. Um, this was one of the ones that I bought on PS3. So I bought the first Trials of Cold Steel. <clears throat> and it was fun. I enjoyed it. It is turn-based combat, which I didn't really love so much. Um, but the story in the world was just kind of so compelling that I... I kind of suffered through it. I say suffer, but obviously it wasn't that bad. Um, and then I was like, well, this series is really awesome. Let me, you know, break into it. <clears throat> and then I realized how many freaking games there were. And at that point, I had not been into the Yee series. I had not, like, delved deep into lore of a lot of games. So I was very intimidating, which is why I didn't continue. But now after researching about it again, I was like, this is awesome. And this was, like, ten years ago. So this was, like, six releases ago of video games. And now it's even worse. <laughs> But I think now I have sort of a feel for how these weird series kind of go. So I think I'm yeah. less intimidated now. 
<laughs> so, <clears throat> like I said, all of the arcs from the Trials sub-series kind of connect. So, it doesn't connect to the other sub-series. So, the Trials series has nothing to do with the freaking uh, Dragon Slayer series or the, whatever it is, Gogloff. No, Gogarf <laughs> series. That's important. So, all the ones the Trials series takes place in a continent called Zamuria. So, just keep that in mind. So I'm going to explain now a little bit of the story of Trails of Cold Steel. I'm not going to give anything away because, like I said, they're all connected and it's all very intricate. No spoilers here because I also don't want to spoil it for myself. Um, so the first one, well, the first four, I guess, technically, there's four in this kind of story arc, contains its own story following a character called Reen Schwarzer. Schwarzers. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, it can, can be played without any knowledge of any of the other games, any of the other series, any of the other arcs, subseries, any of that kind of stuff. So nice. I've heard that this is a very good place to start yeah. if you're wanting to break into it. Um, so like I said, there are four games in this arc, the fourth of which offers a conclusion to the main character story arc, um, as well as kind of like the whole arc in general. And I'll explain that in a little bit. Like I said, it's a, it's a JRPG, turn-based combat. You explore the 3D world, which can be towns, dungeons, you know, whatever it is. Build bonds with people, upgrade your armor, solve puzzles to unlock different areas and items, level up. All of the good stuff you think of when you think of a JRPG. So, in terms of story, it's pretty political. So if you're not into that kind of thing, you might not like it. Um, you start the game in the politically charged continent of Zamuria, which I said... Um, they all kind of take place in this continent. The arc, this specific arc, takes place in the powerful empire of Erebonia. Um, so I guess, I don't know, just a real world example of kind of where this is going to be. So we're in the United States, right? So this game might take place in the U.S. Uh, and then among our same continent, another one might be Canada. You know, another arc might be from Canada. And then another one might be from Mexico. But we're all contained in like the same continent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So the story specifically follows a group of students at Thor's Military Academy called Class 7 uh, as they kind of navigate these complex social, political, and military themes. Um, a civil war has started in the kingdom between the noble faction and the reformist forces, and Class 7 is kind of caught up in the middle of it, if you will, because they're kind of the military force. Um, eventually, the arc expands past the border of Erebonia, and starts to connect with other kingdoms from the other arcs. So just a real world, not a real world example, but a fictional example, I guess, that people can relate to is analogy between uh, Infinity War and Endgame. So in Trails of Cold Steel 3 and 4 are compared to Infinity War and Endgame respectively, as many of the characters from 3 and 4 kind of intermingle. And it's like one giant story. So the cool thing is that all of these story arcs in the Trail subseries is kind of heading towards this conflict, very much so like the Marvel's Avengers and all the other series are kind of merging into this one giant conflict, which in that case would be Thanos, right? That's all of the cool. series, all of the things are going to this one penultimate point. Um, so just an example, something truly awful has happened in the third game, uh, just like Infinity War, you know, the heroes are down on their asses, half of them are gone, right? Um, and they're at their wit's end, but then there's a turning point, and they're joined by all the other heroes from all the other arcs, all the other series, like an endgame, and then they end up winning. So, without giving too much away, 
That's what it is. Nice. And then, so what makes this game different from other RPGs and why it's worth playing, I think, uh, the world, the intricate world building. So just like in the real world, each region has its own like subculture, its own people, its own belief system. Um, and each game kind of feels a little bit different in its tones and themes. It's not all just like war and death and destruction and all that. It's got like a light airy tones. Um, the worlds feel alive. So unlike NPCs of other games, the NPCs in this game all have their own unique stories. Um, and they can experience their own stories even without the intervention of the player. So they're just off doing their whole thing as you kind of progress through the game. And each time you talk to them, they'll have like different things to say instead of just like, hey, you should press the A button when you're over here or use this thing to target this. It's like, oh my God, old man Jenkins over there is selling bootleg booze <laughs> and they're trying to catch him, blah, 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 blah. Something like that. So they all go through their own story. So it's worthwhile to talk to all the NPCs as you go along. Um, and the whole series is incredibly story-driven, like I said. Um, expect many plot twists and deep lore around every single corner of the game. Uh, get excited to explore you know, all of the characters' backstories, all of the um, the main characters, also like the eclectic cast of people that you travel around with and, you know, fight baddies with and explore dungeons with. They all have their own story arcs and deep lore, um, which I think is really exciting as someone who loves story, just to, you know, look into every single thing about every single person. Be really, really nosy. Um, so I think that's really cool. Sounds like a big so, game, the way you described it. So like uh, most RPGs, some of these range from 60 to 100 hours. I've heard of people putting in like 200 hours uh, into some of these games just because there's so many things that you can experience. But, I mean, it's, mm. it's very typical for an RPG. They're very long. Expect a very lengthy game for all of them. I think they're all that way. Um, and just a little bit of perspective as far as like what consoles it's been on. Um, I think a criticism of this series, and I think you're getting better with it, is that it's spread out among so many different consoles. Very much like the E series is. Like that one is really not accessible mm. unless you want to pay hundreds of dollars to get it on this one console. Um, it's been on consoles like the MSX, PS1, PS3, PS4, and then soon to be PS5. PSP, PS Vita, soon to be Switch for some of these, the Sega Saturn, Super Famicom, Mega Drive, Turbo Graphics, etc. Um, they're also on like the, some old computer mumbo jumbo I don't nothing about uh, that were only released <laughs> in Japan and all that kind of stuff. And very few of them have been like remade or ported or remastered. But I think they're getting better at it as they're kind of the series has kind of picked up pace. And more people are buying them and the sales are really good. So I think it'll be better in the future. I'm hoping. Because right now, there's still some of them exclusive to like the PS3, PS1, PSP, especially PS Vita, all that kind of stuff. Oh, it's one of those series with... A <laughs> yeah, I totally... It, Ease is the perfect analogy for sure. And they're published by the same people. So of course it's that way, but... Mm. I don't know. I wish that they would come more to more modern consoles. But like I said, they're getting better, I think. It's just slow. Which ones have you played? I've only played the first one. Okay. And the only reason why I haven't played the other ones is because they are very expensive. Figures? <laughs> yeah. 
So I think maybe I'll wait for them to hopefully I'll be ported to like the Switch and like one package, like one collection, like I'm really hoping the Yi series does. But I definitely would go back and play the first one because I have not played it in probably 10 years. But it was a special experience for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely like have seen that that series around, but the Trails of Cold Steel one is the one that I've I feel like I'm most familiar with that name of all of them. Yeah, and I think the newest one they're doing is Through Daybreak, I think, and that one just released a couple years ago. So they've moved on from the Trails of Cold Steel one. That arc is finished. So it had mm. one, two, three, four, and now it's done. I mean, I'm not saying that those characters might not pop up in another one, but as far as Ren's story goes, he's gone. He's done, I think. Nice. Yep. All right, time for our third one. I believe it is the last game released for a Nintendo console that used a unique feature from the console. And I didn't want to spoil it earlier. Um, So to explain this one a little bit further, I'm going to be using the game. I'm going to be using the Wii U as mine for this one. And... Mm -hmm. Um, specifically, I'm going to be talking about how, like, I'm, I'm, we, we wanted to figure out what the last game was that utilized, for example, the gamepad on the Wii U. So that's mine. Hannah chose a different console, and she's going to talk about something like that. But, um, yeah. So for my, my one here, the Wii U gamepad, the final game to use it, also happens to be the final game that released for the console altogether, which is pretty neat. Ooh, that's convenient for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I could have uh, I could have killed two birds with one stone here, but I didn't. Wow. Um, this game is called Silver Falls White Inside Its Umbra. Does that what? sound familiar <laughs> at all? <laughs> no. This game released... In the year 2023, February Whoa. 16th, a Wii U game. What? When? It was a it was a Wii U eShop exclusive only released in North America on February 16th. Goodness gracious, that's like what a month before the shop closed? <laughs> a month, absolutely. So, this is actually going to knock your socks off, Hannah. I think you're going to like this story. It's pretty cool. Um, the game was created by this guy, Jarrell Dulay, who was working on an entire universe of games under the name Silver Falls. He was literally working on seven different video games for the Wii U and 3DS at the same time. And then... While he was working on these, Nintendo announced the final day to submit games to the eShop would be March 31st of 2022. Hmm. Um, I know that timeline doesn't make sense with the game's release date, but I will explain that later. The announcement could have been like a, yeah, I think I'll throw in the towel on six of these and maybe just focus on one or... Maybe I'll just throw in the towel on all seven because this at this at the time of this announcement he had like a month to get all the seven games out. Um, but this guy said, "Screw it, challenge accepted. I'm gonna finish all seven games by the deadline." Wow, a true so, hero. A little bit of background. IGN, I guess, like interviewed this guy, and there's this really great article written by a Rebecca Valentine. Valentine. Um, 
So he always wanted to be a game developer. As a kid, he made his first game in high school and sold it to his classmates for $2 so he could buy extra chocolate milk at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Went to college in Australia for software development. His first commercial game was a mobile game called Animelee. It's like animals fighting Animelee. Um, That's funny. He made a few other mobile games, didn't like the idea of running ads to make money, and didn't want to be pushed into the whole business model of paying to make the game fun, so he jumped over to Nintendo platforms like a true Chad and started developing them uh, in 2018. Um, He had a Wii U dev kit and was actually working on a horror game even before Animelee. So he went back to working on that horror game. Uh, This time he decided to pick it up for the 3DS, despite the fact that the Switch was already out. And the game released in 2021, the first of his Silver Falls universe, and it was called Silver Falls Three Down Stars. Um, Hmm. And you know what? It just clicked with me that that's the... I forget what word in English that is, but three down stars is 3DS. That's genius. Oh, That's freaking brilliant. That is brilliant. And I was gonna, I was gonna wait till later, but uh, the game that I'm talking about is called White Inside Its Umbra, which is W I I U. Oh my genius. goodness! Wow, <laughs> this guy's so fun. Um. Yeah, he developed the whole game on his own under the publisher title Sun Grand Studios. Um, So because the deadline to release seven games was so tight, he literally had four weeks. uh, He he pretty much had to reach out to Nintendo and ask if he could submit seven games that weren't fully complete, just ones that were functional. And then if they approved that, he would update them later on without making them, you know ultimately making them the fully complete versions and apparently nintendo like didn't even hesitate and they just said yes oh that's awesome we love nintendo sometimes (laughs) (laughs) like this whole story just doesn't sound like nintendo it sounds like some really nice freaking people it's it's really awesome um so now he had four weeks to get these seven games finished all by himself get them to nintendo you know, in a playable state so that he could update them later. He apparently submitted his final game just minutes before the deadline, which <laughs> this is not a homework assignment in college. Like, this <laughs> right. is freaking insane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> two of his seven games ended up not working right on original 3DS hardware, and Nintendo literally stepped in to help this man and made them new 3DS hardware exclusives on the eShop absolutely insane dang who was this nintendo really (laughs) uh so that's a lot about him and his seven games but to get back to his final wii u release the white inside its umbra um it was actually delayed even further when it was rejected for being too scary so (laughs) with all of that (laughs) he finally got the game released on february of this year um, just like Hannah said, a month before the eShop closed. Um, gameplay is so freaking cool. I am very upset that I didn't know about this game before the eShop shut down. Um, I had to type something so I didn't forget to talk about it in a minute. Um, so gameplay. It's first person. It's a horror game. In one hand, 
The player explores a dark open world in the mountains using the Wii remote as a flashlight. You literally move <gasps> the character Ooh. with the D-pad and point your Wii remote at the screen to move your flashlight. How That's genius. Fun. And this is the insane part. In your left hand, not a nunchuck, in the left hand you are holding the Wii U gamepad that you use as your tech pad, kind of like a cell phone. And it has a digital camera on it, okay? So Dude. when you hear something rustling around in the bushes, you turn with the Wii Remote to see it. But maybe you can't see it because some creatures are only visible on the tech pad's camera. So you use your left hand to start searching that area until you find like this freaking demon or whatever that's going to scare <laughs> the living heck out of you. Dude. This is how the gamepad should have been used for the entire five-year lifespan of this console. What a genius. That's awesome. Now, why did he decide to do seven at the same time? Did he just have, like, seven <laughs> different really good ideas? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to make this work. He wasn't... <laughs> I don't know. So he really wanted to build this whole Silver Falls universe. And I think that he was just kind of getting stuck on one project and he would move on to the next one and i don't know how he did it seven times but <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy um and i didn't find anything online i i i don't know i didn't look super hard but apparently this game made sure to utilize the wii remote obviously uses the gamepad and apparently it also utilized the wii fit board if you wanted to plug it in so this dude went all out. He's a My single gosh. developer developing this game. And he was like, you know what? We're going to use all the freaking stuff that the <laughs> Wii U is capable of. The all Wii the U must be on fire playing this game. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. I'm so mad that I didn't get this. I'm so mad I didn't know about this. Like, mm -hmm. I'll literally never get to play this game now. Yeah, well, yeah. That is sad. Especially not the way that he intended it. Even if he does move it to the Switch, right. where modern consoles, you'll never be able to stand on the freaking whatever it is, Wii Fit board, and use the camera on the Wii U. <laughs> Dang. The dude is so motivated and just... He's so into... Like, he seems to love his life and, and love like making this stuff. Uh, I can't imagine... That this single indie developer is making a bunch of money off of these games for hardware. You can't even buy them anymore, for one. Um, he started porting them to Switch and even making new games on Switch under the Silver Falls title. Um, like, he's porting some of those seven, but he obviously isn't porting this game, uh, White in its Umbra, to the, the Switch for obvious That's reasons. Um, yeah. But. I went and I watched one of his YouTube videos. This dude is literally, he's doing it all. He's the freaking social media guy. He's the developer. Like, he's doing so freaking much. And I watched one of his YouTube videos on the development of this game. And um, he mentions that he has a full Silver Falls novel on his website that you can read for free. And that he planned on releasing physical copies of the novel. Oh my gosh. So he's a prolific author as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a freaking passion project. Um, I was He mentioned something about like if you connect the Wii U game to 
you know, any of these five 3DS Silver Falls games, then it'll unlock a new character in the Wii U game, and then you can experience their story. Dude, how many people got to experience seven Silver Falls games in the final, like, six months of being able to purchase these games? Oh, dang. That is... Man, I want to know... I want to see gameplay of it. Did anyone do it? <laughs> and record it? Yeah. Where is this? Honestly. Um, God bless this dude. I hope that everything works out for him. I can tell how much that he just freaking wants this to work. And he seems so motivated despite, like, I don't know. He, like, he's making indie games for a console that's dead. He's porting them to Switch on a very tough like flooded eShop, you know, there's t- stuff coming out every day. It's got to be the hardest thing in the world. Yeah. It's funny, I did not know that there was one on Wii U, but I did know that there were ones on 3DS. So actually before he or the Nintendo or after I guess it was after Nintendo announced that they were shutting down the eShop, he was giving away free like tickets to redeem it. Oh wow. So that people could get it and someone on Instagram messaged me about it. He was like, "Hey, uh if you message this guy i think it was through discord or blah 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 blah. you know you can get a free voucher a free ticket or a couple free tickets for all these free games um and i never did because i was like i don't need these or you know whatever i don't want to be on discord blah 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 blah. um but he was giving he was literally giving thousands away of download tickets and download codes and he's like here please just experience this before it goes away and i think (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe he ran out eventually because when people tried to do it, they were out. But he was like, please, just somebody experience this before it's gone. Anybody. It sounds like as passionate as he is, I'm so glad that Nintendo decided to like step in and help this man like multiple different times. Um, like somebody over there at Nintendo must have just seen the, the love that he had for these projects and just really wanted to help him. That's really cool. Yeah, I just I wish maybe he would have reached out earlier <laughs> and we could have gotten these for more than a couple days, you know? So I don't know the status of these seven games. Like, I'm I'm hoping they're all complete now that he's had time to update some of them or all of them. Um, but I didn't do more research. But that, that freaking Wii U game sounds so unique and so cool. And we'll never get to experience it. Yeah. Just let that one sink in. <laughs> Even watching a YouTube video, like, would not be the same, you know, because of the two screens and everything. I don't know. How would you even capture that? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're standing on the Wii Fit board. <laughs> <laughs> How would you show that? Oh, that just makes me sad. So, yeah. That's why I was a little late to getting to recording the podcast tonight. I was diving deep into this guy's life. <laughs> Totally worth it. Definitely worth it. Cool. Well, well what you... console did you choose? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I am going to stretch the heck out of this last um, <laughs> moniker that we're putting on this. So I chose the DSi um, specifically for its camera function because I thought that that was super interesting and that's something that Nintendo really hadn't done up until this point. But then um, I tried to look up you know, because of course there's DSiWare games and there's only a couple actual DSi games, but of course all the DS games can play on this one, blah, 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 blah. 
So I'll explain that in a little bit. But I'm going to stretch the last uh, thing. So what is the DSi known for? It is known for A, it's camera, right? B, it's upgraded CPU, right? Things run a little better, a little faster, all that kind of stuff. Didn't know that. And three, the fact that it has an online store. So we're going to yes. go through all of these as last because I could not find the last game to use the camera specifically. It just, a comprehensive list doesn't exist. I was able to find partial lists. It. And things that only released overseas, not over here, and blah, 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 blah. So we're going to go through just a couple of these. So for the first feature, DSi camera. Um, talk a little bit about the console itself, because I think it's a little bit important um, as a buildup. So it released on November 1st, 2008. Uh, that was the base model. Then the XL model released almost a year later in 2009, November 21st, in Japan. Um, and then over here in the U.S., the base model released on April 5th, 2009, and the XL released on March 28th, uh, 2010. Um, the main rival, of course, at the time was a PSP. It's very similar to the DS Lite in terms of size, but it is a little bit slimmer. Um, and the screens are a little bit bigger, a little bit better. Um, it no longer has the Game Boy Advance slot, so therefore is no longer backwards compatible with the Game Boy Advance. Which is something... The one downfall. That is obviously a negative, but Nintendo had to take it out so that it, the console slimmer. It wasn't so bulky, but still had the durability for the little kids dropping it and stuff, you know? <laughs> um, and because of that, it plays all of the DSi games, of course, and all the DS Lite games, except the ones that need the Game Boy Advance slot. So I think there's some that do, like, the Rumble or like they have a save feature or something, something like that in the Game Boy Advance. So they don't work on the DSi, obviously. Um, so the camera has, or the console has two cameras, uh, one on the top lid, top side of the lid, and the other on the, like the little hinge between two screens when you open it up, um, that faces you. Connects to the internet, has an online storage, which I said, supports internal and external content storage. Um, sold about 41 million units that includes both the DSi and the DSi XL uh, units in its lifetime. DSi XL, of course, had all the same features as the regular base DSi, but of course it was bigger, very similar to like the, how the 3DS XL is. It's big, bulkier, bigger screens, all that kind of stuff. Um, now there are only five physical games that I could see, that I could tell on the DSi, but there are over over 600, probably more. I didn't like add up all the different regions, uh, non-physical ones, like digital ones, distributed yeah. through the storefront. Um, that is a lot of games to go through to see if they use a camera or not, and a lot of them aren't even specific <laughs> about whether it uses a camera or not. So I texted you. I was like, dude, <laughs> I need. I don't know what to do with this. There are just so <laughs> many. And you said you should pick a different one. And I was like, you know what? That's probably a good idea. So I was like, you know what? I'll decide to do the 3DS feature or the 3D feature on the 3DS. And well, you know what? It's about the same way. There's not a huge comprehensive <laughs> list of all the games that use the 3D feature on the 3DS. So I was back to square one. I was like, you know what? I already did a lot of research on this. We're just going to stick with the ones that I have, even if it's not right. Because it is interesting, I, all, I suppose. I thought all 3DS games could use the 3D. Well, no, they have to be, like, specifically integrated into the games, I think. And even then, most of the time, it's not even, like, 
anything to do with anything. You just flip the freaking 3D thing on and it looks a little 3D. It's not even like actually integrated into the gameplay. Yeah, I've only so ever played one game that had it like matter and it was Mario 3D Land. Yep, that's pretty much the only example. And I think Link's Awakening, <laughs> I mean not Link's Awakening, uh, A Link Between Worlds is probably another one where it's like, eh, mm. you don't have to have it, but it's kind of cool if you do. And even then, most of them, like I said, aren't even mandatory. It's all just, you know, if you want to or not. Anyway, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to go back to the DSi camera. We're going to do this. Um, so there are two types of games that use the camera, right? They're the games developed specifically for the DSi. Like it's CPU, it's camera, blah, blah, blah. And then there are things called DSi enhanced games, which I didn't know was a thing. I'll explain that in a bit. So DSi and DSiWare games didn't have to use the camera function though. Sometimes developers just wanted to use the DSi for its upgraded CPU compared to the other DS models through the digital storefront, of course. So they couldn't be played on the light, but because of the upgraded CPU, things run better, faster than they were on the DSi. Um, so in other words, not all DSi games use the camera feature. There are also games developed for the DSi that use the camera feature and some that don't. Some are only made for the DSi for its upgraded hardware, which I just said. Games that are DSi enhanced, which are just normal DS games, like DS Lite, DS regular games, that can be upgraded to run faster when played on the DSi system. And then, of course, of those games, some use the camera and some don't at all. <laughs> so that wasn't confusing enough. Um, so some use it. And again, sometimes the camera is mandatory use and sometimes it's completely optional. Just depends on the game and the developer. So that's that. So the first game I arrived on is Pokemon Black and White Versions 2, which used the camera. Um, I'm pretty sure this is one of the last ones, if not the last like physical releases to use the camera. But like I said, do not quote me on that. Um, if you don't know about Pokemon Black and White, I'll talk about it very briefly. The direct sequel to the first Black and White takes place two years after the events of the first one. Um, the terrain of the game also changes a little, so there's new areas accessible on the Unova region. I think that's what it's called. Never played them, so I don't know. Um, so that means new areas to explore, new versions of Pokemons to encounter, and new people to meet. Yay! Um... It is the final games in Gen 5, released in North America on October 7th of 2012. Features two new forms of Q-Ram, I think that's how you say it, the weird dragon guy with a really long neck. Um, oh, yeah. Which are the versions that you see on the covers. It's like, there's like a red fiery version and then like an icy version, I think. I think that's what they are. Maybe it's blue fire, I don't know. Don't care. Um, so as far as Pokemon games go, it reviewed well. It's a Pokemon game, lots of eights, lots of nines out of ten, blah, 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 blah. Um, they said it was very much akin to how Pokemon Yellow, Crystal, Emerald, or Platinum is. It's kind of just like the same game, but a little bit different. So I don't know why they had to do two, but Pokemon and Game Freak be Pokemon and Game Freak, and that's just how it is. Money. <laughs> Money. So this... <laughs> specific game is classified as a DSi enhanced game, meaning that you can still play it on the DS and the DSi without any issues. Nothing's really that much different. Um, but the features in the game run a little bit faster. The menus are a little bit faster. Animations are a little bit faster, more efficient. Uh, and you actually use the camera in this one, which I'll explain. 
So if you play it on the DSi, um, both games can utilize the camera when using the X transceiver, which if you don't know what that is, it's very similar to how like the Pokegear and the Pokenev work. It's basically just like your in-game calling function with like in-game characters and all that kind of stuff. Um, using the C gear wireless feature, which is basically just your menu down there on the bottom screen, like the touch screen when you're like navigating the world and stuff. Uh, you can connect with three other players, like real life players, as long as you're very close and I think using the same Wi-Fi network. Um, and so you can basically just like chat with them. It's basically like a force four split screen like FaceTime, which I think is really cool. And they can actually see your face. You can draw on them. You can put little stickers on their faces. You can oh hear them gosh. and you can see them. So that's very cool. Wow. And if you play that on the regular DS, it's just voice. You can't actually see them because there's obviously no camera on the DS Lite. But if you wow, have even it... that is pretty cool. Right? But you have to be obviously very, very close for it to get that signal. The only <laughs> downside, of course, is the camera is not super great. Right, you know it's ten years ago, fifteen years ago, almost now. Point five megapixels. The quality's not super great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It looks better because it's smaller versus like one person on big screen versus four on a on a one screen. So I guess it looks a little bit better, but you also like freeze and like the sound will cut in and out. But <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's a good time drawing mustaches on people's faces. You know, whatever it is. And then also, I know I just called it an X transceiver because that's what a lot of people call it, but apparently the X stands for cross. So it's really supposed to be cross transceiver. So, uh. mm-hmm. take that with what you will. Um, there are also two mini games within the uh, Pokemon games that use the camera. They both involve catching balloons or like collecting them or popping them or whatever. Uh, the first one is called Balloon Catch, the second one is called Balloon Kaboom. Um, and the player can take a picture of their photo and then their face shows up on the balloons and you have to pop them and blah, 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 versus like the default images of the characters. So very small little thing that's added, but still fun nonetheless. Then the last thing, which I don't even know why it's a thing or why it's included or why people should care, because I don't think it really matters. But anyway, you can also connect to Weepa and Weepa 2. Uh, if you know anything about like networks and stuff, WPA and WPA2, which are protected oh. wireless networks. <laughs> like, I don't know why that was on the wiki thing, but I don't know. It's there. Um, <laughs> the only interesting thing about that, though, is because these two games, along with the first Pokemon uh, black and white games and Pokemon Conquest, are now region locked, but only in Japan. So I don't know why this is a thing, but because of this connection, it is region locked. The Eastern not Eastern, Jesus, the European and Western games are not region locked <laughs> and can be played on any system from any region. But for whatever reason, they're region locking the Japanese ones. If you play it on the DSi, no idea. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. But instead of it being like blocked on the system itself, it's actually blocked in the software. Huh. So, so it's not... Not the game software, it's the system software. I think that's what I just said, but reverse. Anyway, it plays regular, fine on the regular DS, so I just, I don't know. Don't play it. If you're in Japan, don't play it on the DSi, I don't know, it's such a weird <laughs> thing. Uh, let's see, the only other thing is the C gear, which I said is that menu down there on the bottom touchscreen. It's kind of like your item bag and blah, 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 blah. Uh, shows the system, like the DSi's power bar. 
in three bars instead of two bars, like in the regular game. I don't know. Just added. <laughs> That's just the thing that was added. So that is Pokemon uh, Black and White versus 2. So now the other one that I found that uses the camera in a very unique way and is a DSiWare game, did not get a physical, um, is called Spirit Hunters Inc. Light and Spirit Hunters Inc. Shadow. So the two different versions of the game, two different like kinds of stories and endings and characters, or not characters, more like spirits that you can encounter. Um, but this one only released in Australia. <laughs> so <laughs> didn't come over here it in counts. the US or Japan or Europe, but just specifically Australia. So it was published by No. That's the that's the studio's name. <laughs> N-N-O-O-O, No Studios. Heck um, yeah. It is one of the last DSI where games ever published uh, in Australia. It looks like it's the 10th from the last in Australia. Uh, it and was the other nine on... were no as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they were, but if you look at the last, well, I, I have it later on, but the last like 20 games for the DSiWare were all part of one specific series. And I didn't write it down, which I should have, but it's crazy. If you look, it's all like a shooter game or like a railgun shooter or something like that. Hmm. Or shmup or something like that. It's very interesting. Anyway, uh, released on November 22nd of 2012 in Australia. The gameplay for this one actually looks kind of cool, though. But also kind of primitive. So think like Pokemon Go, how you experience that game. But think like not as good. And like if Pokemon <laughs> were little spirits and instead of throwing Pokeballs, you like actually battle them. Instead of just okay. like pelting them with Pokeballs. So Pelting. just have that. Yes. Having that in your mind. So the game uses the DSi camera, the back one, the one that's on the front cover, and it it shows you in real time, like, your surrounding. Um, and then it kind of augments the little spirits, has, like, little flames and stuff, in front of what you're standing in front of, if that makes sense. So it's very much like AR. incredible. It's very, very primitive-looking AR. Um it's like again very similar to Pokemon. Um, so you have you're holding your DSI right in your hands, and you're kind of moving around your environment, and it changes with you because it's real time. And you can see like little they're little flames until you click on them, and then they turn into spirits. But you can see the little flames as you kind of like move your DSI around the environment. So you turn around, you're spinning all around, up and down, blah blah blah. Um, very much like kind of having a VR headset how it feels like having that on like you can change yeah. in your environment and look around so that's really neat um and then you click on them the little flames and then they turn into spirits and then you can fight the spirits with at the very bottom of the touch screen screen there's like different moves indicated by like little boxes and like kind of like rpgs you click one it's got the cooldown time and then you build up your special blah 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 stuff like that um that's really cool um and then you can actually take a picture of your face using the front camera on the DSi. And then you can put that face like as your little avatar. So every time you click on a spirit to battle them, it has your little avatar and then versus and then the little spirit guy that you're getting. And there's tons of different spirits. I believe the two different games with the light and the shadow have different spirits. Um, so you can actually play both versions if you want and get a different ending, different spirits and whatnot and then the cool thing is once you capture these spirits and you're friends with people 
you can have them, like you can send that challenge, that spirit to your friend to battle wow. them as well. So Dude, that's really cool. I would Except... have ate this up, man. I would have <laughs> loved this. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It seems like something that a, a younger kid would really, really enjoy. Which man. we would have been 10 years ago. Yeah. But very, very fun. Um, and then let's see, what's another thing you can do? You could also, there's like a bestiary or like an appendium of all the spirits you kept capture. They're all different kinds. They nice. have all different names. Uh, and then after you beat them, you gain experience, which means you hit harder, like very much like other RPG stuff. Uh, you level up. You can challenge friends. There's badges and unlockables they can get. Like you get a spirit of this level, then you get this badge, blah, blah, blah. Very much like Pokemon, right? Um, and yeah, it seems like it was really, I don't know, they, the I watched a video of the guy talking about it, like one of the developers or somebody on the team. Of course, he was Australian. He was like super passionate about it. He was like, look at this. Look at what you can do here. Look at this. And look at that. It seemed like the people were really <laughs> passionate about it. Um, but it didn't really review very well. It got like Dang. average reviews, like five out of tens. I think Nintendo Life gave it a five out of ten. Um, I know. But it seemed like a very fun precursor and like one of the only games I've ever heard of using a DSi camera like that. And actually like fun. Did you say it was a digital release? Yeah, it was a DSiWare only game. Man, I if I could like go buy that on eBay just to have physically, I would so love that. That's so cool, man. Yeah. I, th- I also thought that was really fun. So I figured it was worth mentioning because I've never heard of it. I'm sure 99.9% of people who are listening to this have never heard of it. So, that was cool. So, early I have pre- one more pre- thing. An early precursor right? to Pokemon Go. Now, I don't know the history of all of the games that use a DSi camera, but I feel like this is definitely one of the examples where it's used such that it's like a, it's like a thing that we still use today. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like... Augmented reality is very much oh, still yeah. a thing. Right. So I just, I feel like if this one had just had a little longer to cook, you know, it would have been really good. Yeah. Of course, it's no longer available anymore. And I don't even know if the no publishing company still a thing. But yeah. So again, I stretched the last a little bit. So now I'm going to do... It technically counts as both the last game released for a console, but also like the last digital store, like the DSi digital store game. So I don't know, take that with you will. It's very short. Uh, the last game's released by region because Wikipedia had it. Had it in Japan. It was Mighty Milky Way uh, on August no on April thirtieth of twenty fourteen, uh, and then Europe it was Crazy Chicken Director's Cut. On October 24th, <laughs> 2013. And that's still a game that's out. <laughs> like, I know there's one on the Switch. Oh, I totally have that game on Switch. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in Australia, it was My Aquarium Seven Oceans. And I didn't write the date down, but I know it was very soon before all the other ones. Nice. Because uh, Australia did not get a lot of them. And then, of course, in North America, it's Crazy Train. Yeah, everyone's favorite crazy game, Crazy Train. train. <laughs> Not to be confused with Crazy Taxi. It has That's nothing to do with it. That's what I thought when you said it. <laughs> Absolutely nothing to do with it, which I thought it would. It's not. Um, and that released on January 
28th of 2016. So not that long ago. Well, seven years, but doesn't seem like that long ago. It was published by Floor 84 Studio. Don't know if they're still around. Uh, It was for the DSi and DSi XL, obviously. Um, And just to put that in perspective, just a little bit, the DSi and DSi XL were quietly discontinued on September 30th of 2014. So this came out two years after that. Um, And if you didn't know, that's also just 10 days before the 3DS was released. (laughs) So Nintendo will be making consoles oh gosh that's 10 days and they were still making these consoles although it was quietly discontinued so i I feel like the date is highly contested that is what i've read yeah that makes sense about crazy train it's a puzzle game where you have to direct oncoming trains to the correct train stations doesn't that sound exciting (laughs) i'm not gonna lie it sounds pretty interesting to me (laughs) (laughs) okay i'll explain a little bit more Uh, So the bottom screen of the DSi, right, the one that you can touch, um, has a bunch of tracks in various layouts. Usually it's squares, triangles, and sometimes it's like abstract. Um, And it's, think of like a chessboard or a checkers board, if you will. And then the lines between all the squares are rails, they're tracks, right? And then at each intersection and each corner of said squares is an arrow. And they're all kind of pointing in different directions. And you have to, your trains will come in from left or right, top and bottom, and you have to kind of direct them to the correct stations by hitting those arrows as they're going. Like, they don't stop. They keep going. And so when they reach an area, you click it, and then it moves. Um, again, the, the area that you're clicking can be very abstract. It can be like circles and loops and all these other kinds of things. And you, this, the objective is to not crash your trains. Don't crash your trains. <laughs> um, but it's pretty much, that's, that's about as simple as it is. It's pretty... Uh, Pretty mind-numbing, as one of the reviewers says. Like I said, it's a pretty mediocre game, 5 out of 10s. Nintendo Life said it was fun for a bit, but then got repetitive. And it cost 200 points, which, if you're wondering what that is, it's $2. Two so, bucks. $2. Sounds like it's worth $2. Two dollars of fun. Sounds like it probably got ported to iPhone the following year. <laughs> I think you're right. I think I did read something about it coming to iOS. <laughs> That's funny. I think that yeah. a lot of DSiWare games made it to mobile phones in the coming years, and I think a lot of them were purchasable on 3DS, um, because I remember the 3DS eShop had a DSiWare section, which was pretty cool. Yep, that is correct. I don't know if all of them came over, but I'm sure all the developers opted in. It was like, hey, you want your game on the next system? Yes. I don't right. know how many would say no. But yeah, I believe the full library, if not most of the library, was available. There's always not anymore. exceptions. Not anymore, but it was. Anything else? Nope, that's all I got. I really stretched that last one a little bit. <laughs> you made it interesting. Um, I really had no idea. Like, this is a basic fact, but I had no idea that the DSi had like a stronger CPU. That's I'm never going to touch my DS Lite again. I don't think you'd really notice unless you put them side by side, of course, because I don't think it's that much more powerful. I didn't write the specs down because I don't really care. (laughs) I'm not going to read you all these numbers and letters and all that junk, but I know that it is stronger. It would be fun to... I'm sure there's videos out there. I would be cool to see videos of them side by side and seeing how big of a difference it is, if any. Probably not very noticeable. Yeah, but it would be. It's like the... When Switch or when Wii U games came to Switch, you could see how much better they are. 
Right. I do have a DSi XL. I've always really enjoyed the larger screen. Um, but I didn't have it as a kid, right? I only got it after I started being a collector. I don't think... Well, I've seen it, of course, at like game stores. But I don't think I've ever seen a DSi XL like in the wild. Besides, like, obviously, game stores. Yeah. yeah I didn't even think screen. that they sold very well. But I guess they did. Yeah, 41 million after... like. That's pretty crazy. That's like the OLED probably has sold a large amount, um, mm-hmm. despite the Switch being out for several years before that came out. It's, it's a similar scenario. Nintendo's just, they just sell freaking handhelds like hotcakes, <laughs> man. Even if they're, they're like just marginally better. <laughs> hotcakes. <laughs> um, all right, cool. We did it. I think that was fun. I, I enjoyed you taught me a lot and I learned a lot doing research. That was fun. Yeah, man. That was a lot of fun. I learned a lot more than I thought. Well, that's not true. I always learn a lot, but definitely found some new games that I didn't know about and now I'm like sad I'm never gonna get to play. Do you want to do some listener responses? You wanna tell me what the Instagram people said? Yes, I can. Let me pull it up here. Um let's the question. see so yeah, what was the question? Oh, you got it pulled up? I was just going to fill the dead air if you needed yeah. me to. Yeah, go ahead. Fill it. What What game's ending had the most satisfying conclusion to its story, in your opinion, and why? So, this must have been a harder question to answer, because I did not get as many responses, but I got four here. Um, so, more bros, shout out to you. Oh, speaking of, um, so I would like to issue a heartfelt apology for all of the story seasons and or harvest moon fans out there um i was remiss in saying that all story seasons games are remakes uh because alas the naming convention confused me and i thought the first story seasons game on the 3ds was just a remake of the super nintendo game uh that we all played because it's the same name anyway i am in fact wrong on that i don't think that all story season games are remakes um but again they should really be more specific and more clear and concise on their naming conventions. There we go. <laughs> and More Bros is the one that told me that. Thank you very much. Shout out to More Bros for the support and for the correction. You guys should definitely never be afraid to correct us. We love that crap. Yeah, definitely. Especially I felt like such an idiot. But you know what? He was like, there was a lot to cover. And I said, thank you very much. He gave me a pass. So we're good. <laughs> I can Heck sleep yeah. easy at night now. Anyway, so Mora Bros says, Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Most every NPC is addressed uh, concluding their individual story. Love that. Love the world building. Nice. Love that every story has, every character story has a nice conclusion. That's awesome. Then what Cloud9 Nintendo. the name of the game? Oh, go ahead. What was the was game Link to you the said? Past. I missed it. Oh, oh, heck yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Always think of Zelda games when I think endings of things just because they're so epic also Xenoblade Chronicles because I can't help it uh anyway Cloud Nintendo says the world ends with you which is a good one I have not played that despite owning Neo I think which is the prequel I was just reading um maybe like a few weeks ago a top 100 or like top something RPGs of all time and that was on there That, that game must be pretty solid well it was solid enough to get a prequel or a second game in the series. 
think that's. And what I'm pretty it is. sure it got ported to Switch. Yep, they think they're both on Switch. Uh, he also said Neku, which I guess is the main character, probably uh, goes through a full character arc and evolves as a person. Love that. As someone who likes awesome. story. Then we have Carrie Nimiki says Mother Three. Um, I would not know. I have not played Mother Three. Have you? I've only played Earthbound of the three, um, but I I didn't know they were connected. So that's interesting. Now we know. Uh, and then our last one here is W. J. Uh, Danilo, and he says, "I think this year top the list with Tears of the Kingdom, best finale ever." Ever, I agree. That would have been my choice had I answered this question. Tears of the Kingdom, of course, in most recent memory, was great. Sequel to Breath of the Wild, Absolutely. and I think it ended all of the characters' stories perfectly. Would not have wanted anything more. Chef's kiss. Yes. Mwah. Yep, that's all of them. I have two Discord responses. Um, these are way longer. People don't have to limit their answers on Discord. So if you ever see Hannah's uh, Instagram story and you're like, man, I'd love to answer that with like 10,000 character limit, head on over to the Discord. <laughs> wow, shameless um, plug. Very nice. Cosmic says... That's a difficult question for me. Most recently, Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild stick out as satisfying conclusions that resolve the main story and leave room for expansion, whether in the form of a sequel, a manga, or your own headcanons of where things could go and how Hyrule will change. Yes, definitely agree. I also love the ending to Persona 5, but I think, and maybe this is just me, that the endings can sometimes be the least memorable part of a good game. Like, if it's a game... Like, if it's a bad ending to a good game, it'll haunt you in bold letters. That <laughs> game was so good until XYZ happened. But in a good game, especially the longer ones, the least amount of time is spent in the ending cutscenes, the conclusions of the stories. It's the middle of the game you remember the most. Sounds like you with Xenoblade and, and dragging on the ending of everything you play. Yeah, you know um, how I was playing Harvestella? Right. I still haven't. I still haven't finished it yet. <laughs> I don't want the story to end, despite being right there at the boss, where it's like, it's, it's like, yeah, you really want to go past this point? There's no returning, and I'm just like, no, I don't want to do it yet. <laughs> One day. She goes on to say, and boy, would I love to talk about the epilogues for Baldur's Gate 3. Fans were unsatisfied, and Larian listened and added more content in Patch 5. You get an epilogue based off of your morality throughout the game, what ending you achieved, what characters survived, and who you romanced, which is so impressive. Unfortunately, I haven't beaten the game since the epilogues were added in, so give me another few days of playing, and I'll probably have some strong opinions. <laughs> All right. I did see everyone was raving about Baldur's Gate 3 and I honest to god have never heard of that series until the third one came out. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's been a long time since the second game came out if if I remember correctly. Probably has. Um Daily Beating said, since the main game I'm looking forward to next year's Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth, FF7 Crisis Core comes to mind. The ending of that game has a lot of emotional weight, and I really liked how the gameplay at the end of the game feels well integrated into the ending. It's not just a boss fight into a cutscene, then credits. In addition to being a good ending, 
to its own game, it's also an important moment impacting several other Final Fantasy VII games. I'm not going to touch Final Fantasy with a freaking ten and a half foot pole because I'm just so confused. It's one of those series where it's like you either know it or you don't. And looking from the outside in, it's very intimidating. I think you're 100% correct. I think those answers were both super solid. Thank you, Cosmic and Daily Beating. And everyone who answered on Instagram, you guys are awesome. Definitely. Um, We've covered listeners' responses. Let's get into some news. I guess I can start... Game of the Year, if you haven't heard, from the Game Awards was Baldur's Gate 3. And I know Cosmic from Discord is super happy about that. Yeah. On a sad note, Spider-Man 2 was nominated for seven awards and won none of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, Square Enix announced Visions of Freaking Mana. Can we get a let's go in the chat right now? That is... Woo-hoo incredible i am i i mean i've only seen the cinematic trailer but boy am i pumped it looks really good except for the fact that it's not coming to switch which people have speculated that it's gonna come to the switch too maybe like a launch title Ooh. maybe they just can't <laughs> say it yet I'm surprised how many people actually, like, give a dang about this game. I don't know if it was just, like, a really impressive trailer or if people just... I don't know. Maybe people just love Square Enix in general now. And, um... And maybe that's why they're they're pumped for it. But whatever, man. Let it sell well so we keep getting mana games. <laughs> yeah, what are you complaining over there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that was announced during the Game Awards that was, like, super exciting for me personally was Sega. They had this trailer where they showed very short clips compiled into like this one commercial of Streets of Rage, Jet Set Radio, Golden Axe, Shinobi, Crazy Taxi. They're all going to be getting new games in like, I don't know if it was 2024 or just like soon, but I love almost all of those series that I just listed. Um, I am really excited to see they can't all be bad, right? Like, Sega can't mess them all up, and maybe <laughs> maybe they'll all be great games. I'm really excited. They also put And More, so who knows what the heck else they're going to be uh, bringing for us, but good job, Sega. I'm, I'm here for it. So now, I was writing the news, and I wrote the same thing down, except for whatever article that I was reading said that it was remakes for those games, not new games. Oh, man, that's going to make me sad. (laughs) So I don't know if maybe I read it wrong or maybe they reported wrong, but I hope it's new ones. I was about to ask you, how disappointing is that, that we're just getting more remakes versus (laughs) new games? Um, I'll look it up while you share your news. Um, So on the topic of the Game Awards, uh, the only ones that I give a shit about is Tears of the Kingdom won Best Action Adventure. As soon as they announced that it had won Best Action Adventure Game, uh, I knew it wasn't going to win Game of the Year, because I kind of like to spread those <laughs> out a little. Um, the Last of Us won Best Adaptation, which I freaking loved, and I personally voted for, over the Mario movie. Um, not because I didn't love the Mario movie, it's just because The Last of Us was just so gosh darn good. Um, 
The other one was Super Mario Wonder won Best Family Game. Of course. Uh, and then Pikmin yeah. 4 won Best Sim slash Strategy Game. I don't know if I saw that. Good job, Pikmin. And it won over Fire Emblem Engage and then Advance Wars Reboot Camp. Um, so Pikmin fans be eating good, man. That's crazy. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting, which I know it's definitely not coming to the Switch, but it was cool nonetheless, um, even though I kind of despise Monster Hunter Rise. Um, Monster <laughs> Hunter Wilds was announced and kind of previewed, and it kind of looks like an open world like Monster Hunter game. And it just looked absolutely gorgeous, so that one looked cool. Uh, Why did I think that was a mobile game? Oh, no, that's a mobile game? I don't know. I'll look that up, too. (laughs) Yeah, fact check me on that one. I just thought it looked cool. Uh, There is a Monster Hunter, like, Pokemon Go game. It's called Monster Hunter Rise. No, not Rise. Now. That's the one Monster Hunter Now. Yeah, yeah, Monster Hunter Now. Freaking Monster Hunter. That's another series. (laughs) There's so many (laughs) games. Uh, the only other news I have is E3 is officially dead after more than two decades. We kind of knew it last year and the year before that and the year before that when they kept delaying it and canceling it, but now it is officially dead, gone over. Bye-bye. Yeah, I did see that today. I is... I honestly always kind of dreamed of attending that with you one day, so that kind of sucks. I know. Me too, but maybe another big convention will take over. Yeah. Ugh, I know, I'm sad. But we kind of knew it was happening. It was like a very slow death. Yeah. Other thing is Nintendo Switch Online has new releases. Harvest Moon 64, uh, 1080 Snowboarding, and Jet Force Gemini are all coming. I believe they're out now. Will probably definitely be out by the time you listen to this. They're quickly running out of decent games for that console. Yes, I would say that is probably true. Well, I guess now it's time to move <laughs> on to GameCube, right? So they don't have to keep remastering them and feeding us to them for $60. People are going to lose their mind if they don't get some GBA soon. Oh, wait, we already have GBA. People are going to lose yeah, their mind if they don't get some Pokemon soon, some handheld Pokemon games. Oh, yeah, definitely. Looking forward to some freaking Crystal and some Emerald. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Last thing I have is Donkey Kong Country Expansion is coming to Super Mario World at Nintendo Studios. No. Wow. Super Mario. No. Jesus. (laughs) Super Nintendo World. Damn. (laughs) At Universal Studios Japan in spring 2024. Heck yeah. So that hopefully means that it'll come eventually, maybe in the next 10 years, to Orlando. uh, Which is the (laughs) Florida location of Universal Studios. Hopefully. Maybe one day. I know it's being built because you can see the area where it is. Fingers crossed. Yes. But that's that's all I got for the news. Alright, so to recap, um, the Sega announces those games look new from what I can tell. Okay. Uh, from what I'm reading on an article. And Monster Hunter Wilds is a console game coming in 2025. Okay, good. I was right with at least one of those. Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, Solid stuff. All right. Good stuff, Hannah. You've been uh, you've been buying anything? 
Um, yeah. Okay, so I talked to you about this before, but I just got a new office chair. It's like one of them fancy, not fancy, it's a really cheap gamer chair. But anyway, I got it from Staples. And when I got this chair, they sent me a $10 off coupon for a purchase of $50 or more. And I was like, you know what Staples sells? Oh my gosh, really? They sell video games. Did you know that? That's awesome. Any hoodle. So I was in there just looking at what game I could buy for $10 off. And I saw Ring Fit Adventure. Which I don't own. I've always wanted to own. Seems pretty cool. Um, and then I saw that it was clearanced for $36. And I was like, wow. Oh my gosh. If I can get $14, 14 more dollars worth of junk, then I'll get $10 off this game. So it ended up so being only $26. <laughs> no, I got some um, Clorox wipes and some little felt pads for my desk so they don't scratch the floor. So things well, I that needed. Is, that's awesome. I really liked Ring Fit Adventure. It's a serious workout. <laughs> I'm excited for it. I've always just didn't want to have to pay, I think, what was it, $70 or $80? I can't believe you can just walk into a Staples. I thought you were going to tell me that like they sold them online, very few quantities, but the fact that you can just walk in and buy video games is blowing my <laughs> mind. I didn't know that either until I was in there. And then I saw that one and I was like, yep, that's going to be, it's it. It's made just for me. And there's only one left. The box is a little beat up, but it was never opened. So That's pretty awesome. It's got that, it's got that god-awful freaking security tag on it, though. It's like one of them really big bulky ones that they placed on there and you can't get it off. That's the only downside. But for $26, I could ignore that. I don't know what that is selling for at like on eBay or whatever, but that seems really cheap. Like remembering COVID, that was like that game was like in demand during COVID. <laughs> Gotta work out. <laughs> can't go outside, can't do anything. Gotta get my workout in. Um, and then the other things I bought, I believe, is just It Takes Two, which is the EA game, the cooperative yeah. game, I believe. Um, that was on sale, and that looked fun, so I bought it. That game is fantastic. Yes, so I've heard. So I'm very excited. Didn't it and get Game it. of the Year? I'm pretty sure it did. Game of the Year, or like... Multiplayer game no, of the year or something? Pretty sure it was a big deal when it was the Game Awards game of the year. Dang. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I kind of <clears> blinked <throat> out. Or maybe I'm wrong and more bros can hit us with that correction. <laughs> yeah, hit up Christian this time though, not me. <laughs> I bought a couple of GameCube games. I bought that insanely expensive NCAA game on GameCube. Um, I was just like sitting down i hope everyone had a great thanksgiving i was sitting down stuffed to the rim or to the <laughs> brim is the word uh with with pie and turkey and everything else and i was just like i got an ebay notification i pulled out my phone i was like yeah i'll bid on that i'm probably not gonna win and uh it didn't even hit my max bid and i won i was like all right all right now i gotta pay Dang. for this i guess santa is real he's looking after you <laughs> So I got that, and I got, um, so my uncle is moving to the Philippines, so that's a thing, but, um, he's bringing, he asked me to buy him a PlayStation 3, um, and honestly, 
I know people hate on this website, but when it comes to like buying a console, which I don't do often, like an, an older console, because I've got everything, right? Like I don't have to buy consoles. I'm just constantly buying games. But when it comes to buying a console, it's like I went to dkoldies.com and I just like bought a PS3 and um, like games for like $2 a pop. Like the games are dirt cheap and they're like quality games and at least if you buy a console from them you know it's gonna work and everything and you get like free right. shipping and it's clean and there's a warranty like buying a console honestly would definitely recommend like dk oldies um despite their overpriced games and stuff um but anyways the reason i'm bringing that up is because when i bought that for him it's they, they gave me so many rewards points that I got like a $25 off coupon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I bought another GameCube game that I needed called Lotus <laughs> Challenge, which is just a race car game. Vroom, vroom. Wow. I think, honestly, I think that's it. Oh, actually, I have one sitting right next to me. I got this game on PS3 called Heavy Rain. Have you ever heard of this one? Uh, No, probably not. Apparently, it was pretty, like, prolific for its time as far as, like, being able to choose the ending to your game. Um, That's what someone in my Discord told me. But, yeah, that's just, like, a PS3 exclusive game that was, like, super cheap on eBay. I figured, why not? I will grab that. Huh. Interesting. Never heard of it probably never playing that what have you been playing lately Hannah? <laughs> um well runescape um and then after that <laughs> i play some more runescape um and then when i wake up in the morning i play some more runescape no um nothing <laughs> <laughs> at the moment i have not well that's not true oh my god i'm a liar so nothing at my house Here we go. but me and my friend were playing um lovers in a dangerous space time which yeah. is the cooperative one you're like manning a spaceship and you're shooting enemies and stuff that one was fun as shit we just finished that one um really really difficult with just two people though i gotta say we had to recruit somebody else uh one of my other friends to kind of help us beat it because some of those boss fights are freaking brutal but that one is rather enjoyable i love that one that's awesome i'm gonna have to play that probably top 10 kind of cooperative games that you can play and you're like it's easy for even non-gamers to pick up even though I think I yeah. might consider my friends gamers at this point because I, we always go over there and just play Switch games. Um, mostly Jeopardy, <laughs> but sometimes we play Heck Mario yeah. Kart. That one was really, really fun. I would suggest that one if you're looking for a cooperative game to play on the couch. Always looking for more couch co-op games. That was fun. And that's it. Well, very cool. Um I have no doubt that, like, a bunch of listeners are definitely playing RuneScape, so you don't have to feel, I don't know, judged by me, because everyone else out there is uh, feeling it, I'm sure. Okay, well, if you want to add me, I'm catlover3013. Be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually did something crazy. I started Final Fantasy VII for the first time in my life my first final fantasy game the original one like the ps1 version yeah wow look at you and um i only got like an hour in 
and I think it was just like really late that night and I turned it off but honestly <laughs> very cool very impressed already just from the first hour the cutscenes are very cool um just you get dumped with a lot of story right off the bat and mm, like I'm already interested in the story so it's it's gonna be a good time definitely gonna you're see this one through you're interested in the story <laughs> It must be one heck of a good story. Is it turn-based? I feel like an idiot me. for asking. <laughs> yeah, it's turn-based. Ah, uh, bummer. That's <laughs> So we shall see how that goes. Um, I'm sure you'll hear me talk about it in future episodes. Um, this new game came out a few weeks ago. I think it was like the first week of December. Um, SteamWorld Build just came out on all consoles and it came to game pass and uh my friend was telling me like so he my friend daily beating listened to the last episode and how i was talking about um two point campus being like uh i was talking about two point campus because it was like i i said i really like the um management genre when we were talking about mm -hmm. that and he said hey this game steamworld build is coming out it's coming to game pass you should give it a shot and i watched the trailer it looked pretty good um turned it on and it's just like i got so hooked on it like so i played final fantasy 7 and then this game came out and then i played it to completion and i beat that game this past week what? it was so freaking fun my goodness so it's clearly not a very long game yeah it's probably less than 20 hours to beat it was um it was a blast if you like management games i really freaking loved it what do you do in management like i know managing obviously but like what what specifically in this one in this game you are tasked with making a town for people to live in so the end goal of the game is to find six pieces of a rocket ship and get off this planet before it explodes or whatever um oh, nice super light on story there are cutscenes, but whatever um, you so you make a town and you have a town full of like engineers and like regular working class people and then like uh, aristocrats. What is that the right word? Aristocrats. Yeah. You crats. have like higher class people and then you finally have scientists and then um, yeah. So you got like these four levels of like working class people. Uh, and you have to build all the buildings that they need to survive and all the buildings that they need to like not just survive but thrive so you have to make them happy so you have to build so they're all robots because that's the steam world like thing that's their theme i guess um right. and so like the working class people they have to they have to have their cactus juice available or whatever and so you have to make sure that there's like a bar open where they can always go get their cactus juice and then um, you have to make sure there's a store. You have to make sure there's a warehouse so they can put all this stuff. And, like, all kinds of things um, just to, to make a functioning society. And there's all kinds of challenges along the way. But what actually sets this apart from the typical management sim... or what I don't know what a management sim is, but a, the typical management game is... It's actually got, like, some dungeon crawling aspects in it. Um... So you actually get to go underground three levels deep underground and each level has like these dungeon or like caves to explore. And 
so you you get to go and just break through walls as you continue to upgrade your citizens and you have to build things underground and you have to keep exploring until you can find these rocket pieces and eventually escape the planet it's a freaking great game um i could probably vibe with that for a little bit i don't know <laughs> if that's my genre but you made it sound interesting enough appreciate that <laughs> you're welcome so yeah i'm so glad you asked but that's what i've been playing um also this past weekend Speaking of, like, couch co-op stuff, I'm always a Bomberman guy when I have people over. And my girlfriend was like, hey, you should bring Bomberman when you come over this weekend. And I didn't want to bring a whole GameCube to play the Bomberman I always play. <laughs> but I have one right. on the Xbox One, and she has an Xbox One. I was like, alright, we can play this one. I've played it before. It kind of sucks, but it's also just Bomberman. Whatever, we'll play it. I brought it over. Turns out it doesn't suck. I don't know why I thought it sucked. Um... But to take it a step further, this game is freaking eight players. I I had no idea. So I'm very excited. Wait. Which one is it? Eight controllers. Wow. It's called Super Bomberman R. Oh. That's on the Switch too, isn't it? Yeah, it was a launch title on the Switch. Huh. And all this time you've been telling me it sucks? That's really good? <laughs> I wonder if it's 8-player on all consoles, because I feel like the Switch could handle it, because it plays Smash 8-players. Oh yeah, um, definitely. So that would be pretty neat. And 8 Joy-Cons is a lot easier to have than 8 Xbox controllers, I can tell you that. <laughs> huh. Well, dang. That's like, routinely, like, on sale all the time. Oh yeah. Just pick it up when it's like $5. Heck yeah. Um, so we did it, and we are just about at the two-hour mark. This is a new record. This is like two years' shortest podcast in two years. Maybe three. I don't know. Yeah. Look at us go. Turns out, like we said, seven pages is, is, the, is the happy medium. <laughs> Instead of 14, like I know I've had before. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Hannah? Um, no. I think think we covered it all. Happy freaking New Year. Merry Christmas. Thank you guys Ooh, for yeah. the support through 2023. We just got our podcasters wrapped from Spotify. And I don't remember. It was like plus 35% new listeners this year, which is pretty exciting. That is exciting. Very, very exciting. Also, happy Hanukkah, too, for the Jewish folks out there. I know Hanukkah just started. I think it's the third night? Fourth night? Heck yeah. We had plus 57% minutes created, and we thought that was hilarious <laughs> for 2023. <laughs> uh, I wish it would have showed us exactly how many hours, because we've only had 12 <laughs> episodes in a year, right? <laughs> right. Average hour count, 3 hours and 45 minutes. Yes. And we're coming up on episode 50 here in a few months, 5 months. Um, so, I don't know, we'll do something for that. That's pretty freaking exciting. I know. I don't know what to do yet. We'll think about it, though. And, yeah. I hope that you guys have a great December. We'll see you in the new year. Make sure to follow Hannah on Instagram. Um, I guess I'll let you say it. Where can the people follow you, Hannah? Game Girl Advance SP on Instagram. I'm at Bird Dog Gaming everywhere, and we will see y'all next time. See you. See you.